Well, welcome back. Welcome anew. Welcome to the Further Faster podcast. I'm Joseph McClendon III, and I will be your host, your guide, and maybe even your mentor in this leg, on this leg of your journey towards going exactly what the name implies, further faster, and becoming what we call wealthy around here means to be healthier, happier, and even more financially abundant. And today, I want to talk to you about something that is often not a popular subject, but it's, it's going to be popular around here for a little bit, and that is how to deal with runaway emotions, said differently, runaway thoughts, worry, frustration, anger, any of those things that get out of hand with us. So as we say around here, grab a pad and paper, get ready to take some notes, and I'll see you right back here with Further Faster. welcome back. I'm going to start things off by saying this. Anytime a physician or paramedics or doctor show up at the scene of an accident where there are injuries, their first order of business before they do anything at all in order to stabilize the patients, whether they're still in, let's say it's a car accident, they're still in the car or still in whatever, their first order of business is to always stop the bleeding. Because if they don't stop the bleeding, that person could bleed out. That person could expire right then and there. That is the first thing that they do. And in this case, you are your own physician, doctor, or paramedic. You are your own patient. And the bleeding are our runaway emotions, our runaway thoughts. And what I mean by that is there's not a person on the planet that doesn't have negative thoughts. As a matter of fact, it's part of our survival mechanism. Now, some of us cloak those, we will say and make excuses for that. Don't No, that's just me. I'm a, I'm a skeptic or I'm pessimistic or whatever. But behind it all, all of us on whatever level have emotions and things like that that get away. Excessive worry, frustration, depression, all of those things are backed in thought. As a matter of fact, if you've been around me any time at all, you know that I always talk about here's how we function as human beings. It's top down. As we think, so we feel. And as we feel, so we do. And as we do, so we have. And what that means is, is that our thoughts, is the reason our brain is at the top, is at the center, <laughs> and so I say at the top of our entire physiology, because it cascades down. And you might look at it as being gravity, but the truth of the matter is, whatever we think, and if you'll also notice, our main input senses are right there on our head. What feed our, feeds our brain is right there in our heads. All five of our senses, your input with your eyes, your input with your ears, your input with your smell, your taste, and even feel, all of it is, is centered around your head. And all of that goes where first? goes directly to your brain. Now, people say, well, no. What if you get touched on your, on your elbow? You get burned on your, on your arm or something like that. It doesn't go to your brain first. Yes, it does. It will go to your brain because proof of that is we've all had situations. I remember when my son was really little, he was outside playing and he was having a good time. And all of a sudden he looked down and he realized that he had scraped his leg and he was bleeding. Now, before he looked at it, 
He wasn't crying. He wasn't in any pain. But as soon as he looked at it, he went and he started crying. And all of a sudden, this is something to him. Now, until he realized it, it didn't mean anything to him. Until he realized it, there was really no pain. But what happens is when there is enough pain, when something happens enough, where does it go first? It goes to the brain and the brain goes, this means something. And here's how I'm going to respond. That's the way we always do. It's always, always, not sometimes, not most of the time, all the time. It's always starts with the input. And the input goes, like I said, either your eyes, ears, nose, whatever, goes into your brain. Your brain goes through a series of calculations in nanoseconds and says, this is what this means, and this is what I'm going to do about it. And because of that, the way that it is, there's also something that I call human physics. And human physics means this. You know, physics, by its simplest definition, is the study of movement, physical movement. Anything that moves, I should say this, it is the, it is the study of the cause and effect of movement. And again, that's oversimplification, but I like to talk in terms that we can all get on the same page. What it means is if I pull a string on this end or a rope on this end, that's movement. And there's going to be, that's the cause. And the effect is that rope is going to move on the other end as well. Well, everything on the planet is always in motion, always. You say, well, no, Joseph, a mountain is not in motion. Yes, it is. I didn't say it was going fast, but it's always growing or eroding or always doing that. And you go, well, no, but yeah, okay, I got that. And at the very least, the earth is hurtling through space along with this solar system at thousands of miles an hour. It's always moving. Well, here's some physics about human beings, and it's why I call it human physics. And that is this. The cause and effect of movement in humans is this. That whatever humans do over and over again, whatever movement humans repeat, they will get better at. You may look at it as practice. You may look at it as rehearsal, repetition, whatever it is. But the way that our nervous system, the way that our brain goes, is that our brain goes, I'm familiar with that, I can do it again. And if we do it enough times, it becomes what we call unconsciously competent. Meaning that we're competent in doing it, but we don't, we don't have to think about it. You tie your shoes, you drive a car, you ride a bicycle, you write your name, all of those things, they're already living in, guess what? Your brain. But on an unconscious level or a subconscious level, it's still going on. And it's telling your body what to do. It's telling you how to tie that shoe. It's telling you what to do every single moment of the day and night, by the way, even when you're asleep. And so even the stuff that is not healthy for us, if we do it over and over again, we will get better at doing that. Smoking cigarettes, you know, eating the wrong foods, doing whatever, which brings us right back around to the negative thoughts that we have. The negative thoughts, or which again, the reason I said runaway emotion is because if thoughts precede emotion, in other words, what you think will determine what you feel, that's emotion. If thoughts perceive emotion, instead of going to the emotion and going, why do I feel this way? Let's go right to the thought. And what's going to happen, this, again, this is further faster. And that's going to help you start to mitigate and even at the very least, make those thoughts occur less often, if you will, and more, more specific, allow you to snap out of it more. Now, I do a lot of uh, 
uh, interviews and and on other people's podcasts and things like that. And I'm always thrilled and, and always happy to do those things. And I did one this weekend and I was working with this organization and uh, the gentleman that was interviewing me um, was a really brilliant guy, really great guy and everything. And what happens oftentimes on these uh, types of interviews is people uh, challenge me. And that's okay, because I, I want you to, and I want you to even challenge me, even what I'm saying. I want, I want you to, to take even what I'm saying right now as being just another opinion, if you will. You do your research, and, and you, you come to your own conclusion on these things. I don't expect anybody to believe and, and take everything that I have as that's gospel and, and, and not go any further. I am honored, and, and I, uh, I love it that you have this trust that you're listening to me this far. Uh, however... Uh, when I do these shows, oftentimes people will challenge me, and I actually like that. I like that back and forth. And what he said was, he, go, he goes, he didn't introduce me, he just said, okay, what do you do? And I said, okay, well, by profession, I'm a psychologist, and by trade, I'm an ultimate performance specialist. And, and he said, well, you know, that's kind of like a life coach, and everybody's a life coach everywhere, you know. And I, I actually said to him, I go, you know, I got you. I understand how you feel. A lot of people may feel that way. And the difference is this, is that even though a coach is there to assist you and show you things that you don't know. But oftentimes a coach is not better at the thing that they're coaching somebody to do, i.e. somebody like a Michael Jordan or a Steph Curry. They all have coaches, but they're not better basketball players than them. But they, what they do possess is the gift of motivation, the gift of holding people accountable, the gift of, of showing people what they might not see on their own. And the difference between what I call being a neuroencoding specialist is that that I only claim to be better at knowing how we function as human beings. And so there are certain cues that I can listen to somebody, watch somebody and, and, and observe them that I know what's going on inside their head. I know what's going on inside their body. I know what's going on just by those cues that they give me. That is my specialty, if you will. And because of those, then I can guide a person in a different way than a coach can. And so the reason I share that with you, it is the same with all of us. If I was to sit down with you, I don't know you personally, maybe yet, but if I was to sit down with you and have a conversation with you, there are a series of questions that I could ask you. And based on those answers that you give me and the cues that your body gives me, I can pretty closely come to uh, a, 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 an opinion, for lack of a better term, but I'm pretty accurate about what's really going on and what you really want. And then from there, then we can start helping you change. Here's where it comes in, how you think. But for today's podcast, if you will, this is further faster. And what I want to do is I want to help you with a shortcut, if you will. All of that setup that I just gave you is to get you to recognize that all we got to do is if we think differently, then we'll feel differently. If we feel differently, then we'll do differently. If we do differently, then we'll get differently. There are no fearless people. Self-included, we all have fear. As I said at the top of this podcast, everybody has fear, and it is a survival mechanism. If you were fearless, you'd have been dead a long time ago. If you didn't have fear of failure, you'd have been dead a long time ago. If you didn't have fear of rejection, you'd have been dead a long time ago. you got to have fear. There are no fearless people, but there are people who fear less. And what I mean by that is, when I say less, I don't just mean quantity. I mean the time, I mean frequency, how often a person feels that, that level of fear. But I mean the time 
and the depth of the feeling that they feel. In other words, if something happens that you experience fear and you go into what is called your sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight, you actually have a choice in that moment to stay there and continue down that path to let those thoughts run away, which will give you runaway emotions and stay in that terrible, fearful state for a long time till something comes along and snaps you out of it. Or you can get out of it quickly. Now, logically, all of us say, well, I'd rather get out of it quickly. Why? Because if you get out of fear, then you're not the deer in the headlight. It's fight or flight. It's not stay and get hurt. Because when, when something happens, again, you got, what happens to a lot of people, I'm going to give you an example, is when, when something happens, let's say, uh, uh, you know, they get a phone call that they don't, that they don't like. Maybe their, their girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or whatever calls them up with some bad news or so on and so forth. Here's what happens. In that moment, that bad news comes in where? Through their ears on our head and their brain goes, what does this mean? What am I going to do about it? And if they, if they have dealt with fear, and bad news, the same way, for long enough, human physics have set in, so their default is to go into unresourcefulness, depression, anger, frustration, and stay there. And if they stay there, that's all that's happening inside the brain, is it's over and over again. This just happened. This always happens to me. This is going to be this. Oh, no, it's going to be this. I'm worried or whatever, and it's going to keep on going, and pretty soon it's a big, big monster and big monsters are harder to kill than baby monsters. So the trick is to kill the monster while it's a baby. And what I mean by that is when that, when that thought first comes in, when that phone call comes in and you get frustrated again, there's no fearless people. Input is going to put you in fight or flight. And if it's, if it's bad news or if it's, if it's bad input, it's going to put you in a, uh, an unresourceful state automatically. Your choice to stay there in that moment can be conscious, but you can also make it unconscious. Unconsciousness makes it be your default. And so in the very beginning, and I'm going to give you an exercise at the end of this uh, when we come back from our break here shortly, that is going to help you hone that skill, that, that skill of snapping out of it. Now, I'm going to oversimplify things right here for a moment. And that is, if I was to say that the best skill that you could learn with regard to helping you go further faster, and that is the skill of snapping the hell out of it. When things are unresourceful, and they're going to be, and you know that. You know, if you, if you have children, you know they're unpredictable. If you, you know, whatever, in relationship or whatever, there's always going to be up and down. That's part of life. But when the down comes around, the longer you stay there, the worse things you're going to get. We don't figure things out when we're in that unresourceful state, if you will. We figure things out when we get the hell out of it. I remember years ago, and I learned this from uh, Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill wrote the, my, my very first uh, uh, personal development book, if you will. It's called Think and Grow Rich. If you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. And it's not in the book, but I heard him do a speech about it. And what he said was he was tasked with, after having written the book, he was tasked with coming up with a title for the book. Because previously, in case you don't know this, <laughs> I hope I get this right, the name of the book was going to be Using Your Noodle to Get the Caboodle or something like that. 
And so what he said was he didn't like the title and he was frustrated. He had a deadline. He was up against all this stuff and people were saying, we need a better title. We need it. So he's frustrated. And so guess what he did? He snapped himself out of it, took a deep breath and said, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to sleep on it. And he relaxed. The next morning he came up with Think and Grow Rich, most famous, most popular book uh, you know, it's ever been written on, on that subject. Why do I say that? Because he snapped himself out of it. Now, he did it consciously. He snapped himself out of it. And so when a thought comes into your head, whatever it is, when a thought comes into your head, you have a choice in that moment to do something about it. I always say this, and you might want to write this down. Any fear, any pain is a signal for you to snap out of it. Let me repeat myself. Any pain, any fear, large or small, is a signal for you to snap out of it. Nothing gets solved while you're freaking out. If you're a leader, if you run a company, what is your job? Oftentimes, is to put out fires. When something, you're, if your child comes running in, like I said, my child comes running in, screaming his head off because he hurt himself, am I supposed to freak out with him and go, oh, no, you know, or am I supposed to do something about it? If it's very seriously, I need to get that kid to a hospital. If it's not, I need to calm that kid down, whatever. But I don't need to go there and stay there with him. And my outcome is to get him out of that. <laughs> I use my son a lot as examples. Right around the same time when he was like two or three years old, he had fallen down. You know how kids fall down. They hurt themselves a lot. He had just eaten a popsicle. I actually have a photograph of this uh, that, that, uh, that I use in my seminars sometimes. He had just eaten a, a, a grape popsicle. And uh, he, he was outside playing with his dog, and he fell down and cut his knee or something. And he comes running in, and he's, he's crying because he's hurt and everything. And the dog's there and with him, and he's, he's crying and, and everything. And I, so I stood there for a second. I said, what's going on? And now imagine what it's like having me as a dad. <laughs> and I said, well, what's going on? And I said, you know, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. And I said, look over there. And we had this mirror that was on the wall, full length mirror. And he looked over at, on the wall and he looked at the picture and he stuck his tongue out and he goes, hey, dad, I have a purple tongue because his tongue was purple from eating the popsicle. Now, what happened, and he didn't know it, and I go, yeah, isn't that funny? Isn't that crazy? Look at that. Why do you think that happened? And again, we come back from the break here in just a few moments. I'm going to show you how to do this for yourself. Because what I did with him, unbeknownst to him, was snapped him out of it. His leg was still hurt. I mean, it was still bruised up and everything. But remember what I said before, where you put your attention there, you're going to go, this hurts, this is pain, it's cut, this means everything, and it's going to hurt worse. What I was able to do was, now, now get it, that his emotion at that time was fear. His emotion at that time was, was, was upset, was, was this is danger, I've hurt myself, I don't like this, there's something wrong. And all I and that could have been run away. Could I have grabbed him and go, oh, son, it's okay, and all this stuff. But you know, let's take a look at this. Let's put him out. You know, and that guy. I could have done that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's just that there was a quicker way. And do you know that that kid to this day has less? I, I watch him. It's not that he has is devoid of emotion. He just doesn't spend his time there freaking out like other people do. He's on the volleyball team, and I watch when he makes a mistake, and he does. He doesn't beat himself up over it. 
He doesn't stay there. He doesn't keep himself down. And he notices around it with his other teammates, and we do at the same time, his other teammates, if they make a mistake, they serve the ball into the net or something like that. Here's what happens is they beat themselves up. They go, ah, that kind of thing. And, and my son doesn't do that. And I'm not saying that my son is better than others. I'm just saying that there is an opportunity in every adversity. There's an equal or greater opportunity for something that I call being optimistic. An optimistic means more options, other options. When you're in pessimism, when you're in pain, when you're in fear, and remember, those are the emotions, and they're backed by thought, and also backed by how you've dealt with them in the past, that's what makes it repetitious, that's what makes it part of who we are, then what happens when you're in there, if you don't have a mechanism to snap yourself out of it, you have no other choice to bounce back to it. That's why worried people stay worried people. That's why upset people get upset quicker. That's why hurt people get hurt easier and all of those things. We're going to take a short break here in a moment. When I come back, I'm going to give you a really, really, really simple tool that you can use to start the process of snapping the hell out of it and more important, replacing it with something that makes you default to your better thoughts, emotions, and behavior. So I'll be right back. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. Well, welcome back. I hope I sufficiently gave a cliffhanger to help you coming back here to something that I want to share with you that's going to help you do what the name always implies, and that is to go further faster. And I'm going to do that by introducing you to a very simple process that you can use to start snapping yourself out of it. I'm going to start off by saying, kill the monster while it's a baby. And what that means is, is when something happens, first, when it first hits you, it is what it is. If you dwell on it, if you just keep thinking about it over and over again, it becomes bigger and bigger. It's a big monster. So baby monsters are easier to kill than big monsters. So as soon as it shows up, remember that. It's an action signal for you to do something about it. I'm going to tell you what to do about it. And the other thing is this. If you knew that somebody was around the corner waiting for you, and every time you walked around that corner, they were going to slap you in the face and loosen your teeth and bloody your nose. Would you continue to walk around that corner? No, of course you wouldn't, because you know what's around that corner. And, but what if you had to go around that corner to get something that you needed? Would you walk around that corner blindly? Or would you walk up to that corner, reach around and grab that person and pull them out and go, I know you're there. You're not slapping me this time. Now, those are metaphors, but obviously you do the latter. You know it's there. And by the way, that person that's around the corner getting ready to slap you in the mouth, they don't choose the best time. They don't say, okay, everything is okay, and they got their guard up. They're going to slap you when it's not, they're not noticed. I mean, when you're, when you're not noticing it as much, when, you're at your, when your guard is down. Now, those two things, I say, kill the monster while it's a baby, and then be aware of what's around the corner, and do what I call the third thing, a preemptive strike. 
meaning do something about it before it happens. That is the crux of what I'm about to teach you. And what I mean by that is knowing that we have negative thoughts, knowing that our thoughts feed our emotions, knowing that our emotions will determine what we do and what we get, and knowing that those thoughts are there right around that corner. Let's go seek them out and do what's called a preemptive strike. Drag them out and do something about it. Now, the do something about it is something I want to teach you that I've talked about before, and that is something in psychology we call a pattern interrupt. My uh, traditional way of explaining it, just so everybody gets it, is this. We've all done this. You're sitting somewhere, let's say you're sitting in your living room and you're watching television and you're watching an infomercial and the infomercial says, hey, I need you to write down this number. I need you, you know, here's what it is. And you go, okay, well, let me, I got to get up and go in the kitchen and get an ink pen or, or get my phone so I can take a picture of this. And you get up and you go into the kitchen and there you are standing in the kitchen going, hell, what the hell did I come in here for? What am I? And you can't remember why you came in there. And what do you do? You go all the way back to the couch and you go, oh, that's what it was. And you go back there. Well, in between that time, there's some magic that you can use. And that magic that you can use is what we call a pattern interrupt. And what I mean by that is this, is that when you're sitting on the couch, and this is synonymous with anything, you're sitting on a couch, you're doing whatever it is, you are in a pattern of thought, meaning and thought, by the way, are just the words that you're saying to yourself and whatever you're looking at with your eyes open or closed. So you're thinking about ink pen while you're sitting there on the couch. You're thinking about what you want to do. And you're in that pattern of thought, which means you're also in that pattern of emotion. You are excited about what's going to happen. You're excited about going and getting the pen. You're, you're in that mode. Well, as soon as you stand up, as soon as you radically move, as soon as you do something, three very important things happen. Number one, you're no longer in that state. You're no longer in that thought process. You're no longer thinking about the ink pen. Automatically, by the way, not some of the time, not most of the time, all of the time. You're no longer thinking about that ink pen. You're no longer feeling about that ink pen. You're no longer seeing that ink pen in your head. The second thing that happens is it creates what's called, in psychology, it's called a scotoma, and that is a blank spot in your brain. That's why you can't remember. That blank spot, even if it's just for a, you know, a couple seconds, it's there. The third thing is that blank spot, I liken it to a vacuum. There's a vacuum inside your head, and what does nature always want to do to a vacuum? I think it was Einstein that said, nature abhors a vacuum. It always wants to fill it up. Remember how when you were a kid, you'd take a Coke bottle, you'd suck the air out, and it'd, you know, it'd stick to your, your, your tongue or whatever, Nate, because you make a vacuum inside there and it wants to fill it up. Now, having said that, that's what happens in your brain. And, and, your, and, and by the way, in that moment, when you're in that scotoma and you're in that vacuum, the brain doesn't care. It's just give me something. I don't care what it is. It's like if you and I... We're on a boat and you fell overboard and you can't swim and you're getting ready to go down for the third time. And I'm on board and, and next to me hanging on the wall are two life preservers. One of them is red and one of them's yellow. And I grab the red one because I want to save your life and I throw it to you. But you don't like red. You like yellow. Are you going to go, hey, no, 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 I don't want this red one. Give me the yellow one. No, you're going to grab whatever I throw to you. 
Now, these are all metaphors, but I want you to get it. Your brain works the, exactly the same way. In that scotoma, it doesn't care. It's a vacuum. It says, give me something. And whatever you give it in that moment, it's going to take and ingest and make it what you're thinking about in that moment and start the process of human physics. Repetition. What do I mean by all that? How does this work? And that is this. Instead of waiting for you to feel bad, instead of waiting for you to have un unresourceful thoughts and things like that, you know that that's right on the corner getting ready to slap you in the face. Go find it. I always say this to people. If you come into my office and you got a fear of dogs and you want to get over that fear, take a guess what's going to be in my office. It's going to be a dog so that I can do this exact same process or a, der a derivative of this process here. I want you to be scared so that I can interrupt your pattern. Now, I'm not going to go into the process of how I do that, but for you, for yourself, here's what it is. And here's what I want you to write down. Feel bad. That's number one. When I say feel bad, I mean, go look for something to feel bad about. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's some bad news you heard before. Maybe it's something that happened before. Feel bad on purpose. Number two, interrupt your pattern. How do you do that? Stand up, shake yourself out. Because it creates that scotoma that I told you about. You're no longer there. You've got a vacuum inside your head and your brain is going, give me something. Number three, feel good. I'll tell you how to do that here in a second. And then number four, celebrate. All of, these, all of these four things have a reason and a purpose. And the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. So let's say this. You've got some bad news, okay? Your, your car is going to cost you, you know, $5,000 to fix and you don't have the money, okay? Think about that. Think about, okay, my car's broken. I don't, you know... Feel it for a second. And while it just starts to feel that way, stand up and shake yourself out. And in that moment, remember, in the moment, you can't help it. Not some of the time, not most of the time, but all the time. You're going to have that blank spot. In that moment, take a deep breath and just put a smile on your face. The big, biggest smile that you can think or laugh out loud or whatever. Why? Because as soon as you do, your brain releases dopamine. Dopamine is the euphoric hormone that makes you feel good. And as soon as that happens, the brain goes, what just happened before that dopamine release? And it's not stupid. It goes, oh, I snapped myself out of it. And it wants to do it again. And when you praise yourself, you pat yourself on the back, you give yourself, hey, I did it then the brain goes, let's do it again. So again, here's what I want you to do. Try this out. Think about something. Feel bad just for a second, a couple of seconds. As soon as you do, stand up, shake yourself out, take a deep breath and put a smile on your face, pat yourself on the back and then go right back on and try to feel bad again. Do it over and over again. What you will find out within three or four times is that you will not be able to feel as bad as you did. And the more that you do, not only will you not be able to get back to where you were, you'll go, ah, oh, okay, my car costs 5,000 bucks. Now I got to find 5,000 bucks. Okay, now what do I do to go do that? And you've got options. But here's the great part about it. It's global. It'll start to affect every way that you handle unresourceful emotions and feelings. And pretty soon you will find yourself fearing less. Less in time that you're, that you're doing it, less in quantity and less in frequency. It is such an unbelievably simple exercise. And when you do it, you get results. Lastly, or second to lastly, I'm going to say this. Life doesn't change because you want it to change. Life doesn't change because you know something. Life doesn't change because you desire something. Life changes because you do something about it. Always on this channel, on this podcast, I always, whoever I bring on or whatever I say to you, I always want to bring something that you can do. This do is produces results. 
The spoils in life don't go to those who want desire and want and 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 hope for something. The spoils in life go to those who do something. And so lastly, I want to say this. First off, thank you. Thank you so much. Always. I appreciate you and I don't take your trust lightly, your attention lightly. But I want to say that life is always exactly what you dare to make it, and fortune favors the bold. So the trip to life to go further faster is to boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. I'm Joseph McClendon. Thank you for being part of the Further Faster, and I'll see you at the top. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.